Well, good morning, countryside. It's great to be in the house of the Lord today. Can you say amen? Well, next week is Super Bowl Sunday, so I know a lot of you don't even care. Well, we got it. Look at our three Chiefs fans over here. So I want to ask you, how many are cheering for the Eagles? Roy, a round of applause. How many are cheering for the Chiefs? How many don't care? <laughs> well, I'm one of those this year, so. But what we do on Super Bowl Sunday, we wear our favorite sporting team, so you'll see me next, year, next week with definitely one of my Tim Tebow shirts. The greatest sports personality in the history of mankind, Tim Tebow. That wore John 3.16 on his eyes for a national championship game and the internet broke down with people looking up. That's Tim Tebow. Who cares about the Chiefs and the Eagles? Tim Tebow. All right, Wayne, I'll leave you alone now. It's all right. So we'll have some special things that day, so wear that. Also want to remind you, a lot of people, we've had a an explosion of growth, especially in first service where our parking lot is jammed. And I know a lot of people wanna come early and they wanna have breakfast like first service does and they come and there's nowhere to park. So I wanna encourage you, don't park illegally. Everyone say illegally. Lord, yes, we're all sinners saved by grace. And don't park if you're a well person in a handicapped spot. I've seen people park and they're like doing backflips coming out of their car, coming in here to, to greet me. But where you can park, a lot of people aren't aware of this, on the hill, when you come in the front entrance, go all the way into the back, and you just come right, it's actually the shortest distance to park up top and then walk across, and that's where you'll come in, right up there. Also on our south parking lot, there's plenty of parking down on the south, and you come in the back where the nursery areas are. But don't you think that's a great problem to have, is to have parking issues, it's a wonderful thing. So are you excited about getting into God's word today? How many of you brought your Bibles? Father, we're hungry. We're hungry for more of you. Fill us today with your word and with your spirit. Anoint our ears to hear in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna encourage everyone to take out your notes from your weekend guide. You can follow along there or you can follow along on the screen or in the Bible as well with the scriptures. So over the next four weeks, we're gonna be studying the life of Elisha. And I believe that this series is going to be an enormous faith building series for us as a church, but also for you as an individual. So we're gonna look at today at 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 19. Now let me give you a little bit of a backstory of Elisha as we begin today. Elijah, not Elisha, but Elijah was one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. He was one of two men that never died. Elijah and Enoch never died. They were so close to God, Elijah had a fiery chariot that came and picked him up. I'm praying for a fiery chariot for me. I don't know about you. Come on, amen. So as great as Elijah was, Elisha was bold enough to ask God for a double portion of the anointing that Elijah had on this earth. And God granted that prayer. Elisha performed more recorded miracles in scripture than anyone else other than Jesus Christ 
himself. But here's the crazy thing about Elisha. Elisha was not a priest. He wasn't a monk. He wasn't a deacon. He wasn't an elder. He was an ordinary guy that God called to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. He lived in a home with his parents and he worked the farm serving his parents. Elisha lived during the ninth century BC. It was a time that was very divided when Israel was worshiping the God of Baal. And it was a critical time in history that God raised up this ordinary man by the name of Elijah to do great things for the kingdom of God. So let's start and look at 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then left his oxen, ran after Elijah, and said this, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and he will, then I will come with you. Elijah says, go back. What have I done to you? And so Elisha left him and went back. This is crazy. This is when the story takes a crazy turn. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. Then he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. What a crazy story this is. And what we're going to be doing as we lay the groundwork for this Elisha series, Elisha series, we're going to be looking at the miracles performed by Elisha, and it's going to bring encouragement to your faith in how God wants to use us. Oftentimes people say, I'm just a regular person. Welcome to the regular person club. Thanks for joining me and Elisha in the Ordinary Guy Club today. But what we're gonna be doing, so the, the next week when we talk about Elisha, we're gonna be looking at something that really speaks to me personally. So many of us, our faith is small and we're not willing to dream big and we're not willing to start small. So we're gonna look at the story of Elisha where he encourages the people of the city to dig ditches that will hold water even though water had not appeared yet to them. Great faith in the small things. God will take the small things in our life and do great things with them, but he's just looking for us to say yes and obey. In the third week, we're gonna be looking at a widow who had two sons. She was desperate. She didn't know what to do. She was out of food. She felt like, I can't do anything right. I'm out of food. This is the most difficult time. And this lady only could see what she didn't have. But what she had was just what God needed. She had a small bottle of oil, and we're gonna look at that miracle, how God has given us exactly what we need to carry out his perfect will for our lives. It's gonna be a great, great series with that. On the fourth week, we're gonna look at this crazy miracle where there was an ax head that was thrown into the water, and Elisha throws a stick into the water, and the ax head floats to the top. Many people in the body of Christ have lost their edge spiritually. We're gonna be looking at how to get our edge back for the kingdom of God as we look at that great miracle. But today, I wanna to show you a man with ridiculous faith. 
a commitment to faith, the prophet Elijah. As we look at these verses again, we're gonna look and we're gonna see what God does as he speaks to Elijah and how God, how Elisha responds to God as he begins to speak. Verse 19, Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So I wanna put this in perspective for you. He was doing an ordinary man's job of the day. It wasn't a glamorous job. It wasn't a spiritual job. He was behind oxen every single day. Imagine the smell being behind oxen as they just plowed up the earth and plowed up the planting areas. The smell. In fact, I want to give you the view that Elijah had for many, many years. That, that was his view. You see, there's some people that say, I'm never gonna get out of this job. It's so boring. I'm doing the same thing over and over. Listen, God wants to deliver you from things that are causing you unhappiness, but he's looking for us to be faithful in the small things. You see, Elisha stayed faithful behind the oxen's rear. Even though it smelled unbelievably bad, he was faithful and he was serving his parents until God told him what the next step for his life was. Many of you know this, but some may not. I worked at the post office for 10 years. I was a sorter. So I didn't go out and get to drive a car and meet people and get bit by dogs. I sat at a machine for 10 years where the machine would drop a letter into the slot every second for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. I'm like, Lord, these oxen rear letters are driving me crazy. <laughs> Maybe some of you mothers, you feel like all you do is change diapers and do laundry, cook, do the dishes, black in the floors, and it all starts over again tomorrow. Lord, deliver me from the oxen rears that I'm in front of me. You see, Elijah may have been behind oxen rears, but he was faithful with the small things, and then God entrusted him with the next step and the next things that were much bigger. Verse 19, the end of verse 19, it says, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. This was very symbolic in the Old Testament. So this cloak was probably made out of animal fur. And what he was doing in the moment, he was placing this cloak around him, which represented that he was saying to Elijah, my covering is now your covering. My anointing is now your anointing. My leadership is now your leadership and my mantle is now your mantle. So he put his cloak on him and said, you are now the student and I am the mentor. Follow me and let's see what God is going to do. So today in your notes, I wanna give you two principles from Elisha showing his ridiculous commitment to God. Number one, you don't, have to fully you don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. First Kings 19, 20, it says, Elisha then left his oxen, ran after Elijah, let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, and he said, then I will come to you. Elijah didn't say, wait a minute, 
Elisha, he didn't say, wait a minute, I, I got to put together my, my pros and my cons, and I got to look at how that's all going to work. I got to have the details, because if I put the details, then I know what I'm signing up for. He didn't say that. He listened to what God had said, and he obeyed God immediately. He didn't say, wait, Elijah, I really want to follow you. I really want to serve you, but I've got to talk to my therapist to get his opinion. That's very, very important to me. You see, delayed obedience is disobedient. When God calls you to do something, he wants you to obey what he's told you to do immediately. And that's why God blessed Elisha. Because immediately when God spoke to him, he knew that that was his time and he stepped out immediately. But here's the key. We have to put ourselves in a position to hear from God and put ourselves in a position that when God speaks to us and speaks to our hearts, that we can respond immediately. I can remember years ago, probably about 1993, I was a volunteer in the middle school and I met with one of the pastors. I said, I really feel like God is calling me into ministry full time. And he said to me, you've got to put yourself in a position where you can respond when God speaks to you and the door opens. And I said, what does that mean exactly? He says, you've got to get unencumbered financially. You see, when you step out of a government job, I was making twice as much as the starting position here at Countryside was gonna be. And he said, if you're unencumbered, that allows you to be in a position where you can respond. You see, we live in a world where there's no margin that people live within. There's no margin financially. So many people, they, they, they spend more than they make and they wonder why they're so stressed out. It's because there's no margin between their financials of what they make and what they spend. So when someone has a flat tire and there's no margin, then it puts your family in a position like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? I gotta buy a $100 tire. Oh, a $1,200 tire. I, I know we're living, I forget sometimes that we're not living in 1995 anymore. So many people, they don't live with time margin. They stay so busy, they get up in the morning, and it's go, 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 get home, eat, go, 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 take my kids here, here, here. And by the time you're, the end of the day happens, you're exhausted and there's no margin where you can spend time with God, where you can pray to God, where you can worship to him, and you can hear his voice because we don't have time margin. So it's important that you set aside and you plan your day so that you have time to hear from God. So many people, they don't have family margin. You know, there's people, I got an email this week that says, I haven't gone on a date with my wife for 23 years. Could you pray for me? I'm like, what? How are you gonna keep a marriage flame burning if you're not going out on a date night with your spouse? He goes, yeah, we just don't really have time. Then make time. Yeah, we, we really don't have money. Well, then spend your money differently. You have got to spend time together, but you have to have margin in your life so that God can speak and you will listen and then you can obey. You see, God rarely gives you the details when he calls you to something. In 1987, when I got a call from God to serve him fully in ministry, he didn't say, Glenn, Start today, and one day you will be pastoring and preaching to thousands of people on a Sunday morning. He didn't say that. 
Because if he would have said that, I probably would have jumped off that mountain in 1987 in the Dominican Republic. But what God does, he says, here is a door. And this is the door I want you to walk through. And when you walk through that door, he begins to pour in you, allows you to grow and develop, and you're stretched. But as you are stretched, then you can grow and move to the next door that God has for each one of you. Oftentimes, how God speaks is not in giant sentences. It's not in giant books. Oftentimes, he speaks in one word. And in, when he gives you that one word, he's looking for you to respond and not react to that one word that he's given you. Moses, when Moses got the call from God at the burning bush, there wasn't this tons of stuff that he was telling him. It was go with Abraham. Abraham, go. When Peter saw Jesus walking on the water and recognized him, Jesus said, Peter, come to me. Some of you today will hear one word from God. Maybe you're in a marriage that's struggling and you feel like it's time to just throw in the towel. Maybe today you're gonna hear the word stay. Maybe you're having a health issue and the prognosis isn't good, but the one word you're gonna hear today is trust. Some of you may have a ministry idea. Maybe you feel called to write a book or start a ministry, something that is deep in your heart that you know that God placed that into you many years ago. And the word you hear, it may be the word start. Maybe you've been in church for a long time and you just kind of come and go. And you're not involved in ministering, you're not involved in serving, you're not involved in a group. Maybe today you'll hear the word commit. Because a committed Christian to the kingdom of God is what makes the body of Christ great. Some of you have been praying maybe about expanding your family and you're not sure of what the next step may be. And the word you may hear is adopt or foster. I know Marilyn right over here, she, she heard that word and she was obedient. It didn't seem like the right time. Oh, I'm too old to do that. Oh no, you're right on time to do that if that's what God's called you and purposed you to do. Maybe you're a young adult Christian girl and you're dating a guy that spends eight hours a day on video games. He can't keep a job. God's not on his radar at all. And this is the word you may hear today. Break up with that punk and run as fast as you can. <laughs> well, maybe sometimes you may hear a few words from God. But I want you to know, oftentimes many people miss God's perfect will in relationships because they're settling for less than God's very best in a relationship. I can remember my son, he was in a, a transition from one relationship and he, he broke it off and it was really, really difficult for him. And he just didn't know what to do. He's like, man, it's just so comfortable, but I know this isn't God's best. And I looked at him and I said, Andrew, here's the deal. You can settle for cube steak or you can get filet mignon. It's your choice. There's too many people in the body of Christ that are settling for cube steak. And for those that don't know what cube steak, I was raised in a very poor family. That's all we ate was cube steak. That's the lowest grade of steak there is. And it's so tough, they have to put it through a machine that just crunches it up so that you can chew it. I married my filet mignon. Hey, husbands, whisper into your wife's ear, you are filet mignon, baby. 
But you see, the word, oh, I see people kissing on me. This is a good little moment here. Let's just stay here. All right. It's almost like a little marriage conference today. I didn't realize that. Sometimes God gives you an unexpected answer when you're praying about different things. Sometimes it makes so much sense to do it, but God says, no, or he says, wait, or he says, stay right where you are. It's not always to quit your job and go do something else. Sometimes it's gonna be God sees the ending before the beginning, and you're just in a time where God's going to expand your vision, but just wait on God. I can remember I got a call in 2004. This call came from out of nowhere. I couldn't believe it. And this guy called me. He says, listen, I'm on a search committee, and I want to see if you had any like desire to leave your church and be the youth, youth director at another church in Houston, Texas. I said, well, I haven't really thought about it. I'm pretty, pretty happy here. He says, I just want you to pray about it. This is a church at that time in 2004 that were running about 35,000 people. And then I realized, oh, this is the largest church in America. And I have the opportunity, Elaine and I, to possibly go and be their youth director. And I thought, is this an opportunity? Is this an opportunity that I could miss? Is this God's way of saying that, yeah, you're doing great here, but I got something so much more for you? And I remember going home to Elaine and saying, I don't know what to do. And I said, let's just put our name in the hat and say we're willing, just in case this is what God wants, and maybe we'll get a free trip to Houston. Well, we got our free trip to Houston. They took us out to one of the nicest steak restaurants we had ever been in our lives, pampered us. It was at that restaurant that I had for the very, I'd never seen this. The wedge salad. I mean, I, I love blue cheese, but I had the blue cheese crumbles on it. And, and it was like these fat pieces of pork belly that was kind of mixed in with this balsamic with, with chunky blue cheese on top of it. So I'm thinking, Lord, maybe this is a yes because I love this salad right here. But then it narrowed down to we were the only ones left in the candidacy. We went on a second trip, not knowing God, we don't want to miss you. Is this an opportunity that we can't pass up? And it was there that it was clear as a bell when we walked off of that airplane that God said, stay. Stay right where you're at. Because you may not see what's ahead, but I see what's ahead. And what's ahead is greater than what you're doing now and greater than what you're going to do in Houston. Who would have thought that that stay would impact what we're doing today in ministering to you, countryside? You, you see, sometimes the answer is not to go. Sometimes the answer is to wait, to trust and to stay right where you are and to be fully engaged in what God's doing in you and through you right now. Sometimes it may look like what you're in is oxen rears, but really it's just a time of growing and testing and preparing as God's getting you ready for the next step. And it's gonna be something great. I believe God's got something great for each and every one of us, but it's up to us to be faithful in the small things and walk in faith, not by sight, not by feelings, but walk step by step by faith in Jesus' name. Number two, in your notes, 
Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. And he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his student. This is crazy. He burned his equipment. He burned what he had used for years as a living in support of his parents in the farm. And the reason he did that was a very symbolic moment. Because when God tells you something to do, it's not plan A versus plan B. You see, Elijah sets the example, it's plan A that God gives and I'm burning up plan B. I don't know about you, I want God's perfect plan A for my life. But in order for us to walk into the plan that God has, we have to be obedient, to listen and obey. In Luke chapter five, we see the same radical faith when Jesus went up to Peter after a long night of fishing, and they fished at night because that's when they could catch the fish in the net. So it was daybreak, the sun was out, and Peter saw them there, and Jesus saw Peter there and said, cast your net on the other side. And after a night of nothing, he was obedient to Jesus, and it says the nets began to tear because there were so many fish that were in the net. They begin to pull all these fish in, and then Jesus goes on to say, Peter, I will make you fishers of men. Not fishers of fish anymore. I've got a higher call on your life, and I wanna see you become a fisher of men. And what happened in scripture is so beautiful and powerful. He didn't say, well, I got fish to catch. Peter didn't say, I've got, I've got to feed my family. Peter, it says, left everything and followed Jesus. There will be times that Jesus will tell you that this is your next step and we need to be in a position where we can say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant, use me. There'll be times that God will tell you to stay and we need to be obedient to stay. There'll be times that God will tell you to get out of your comfort zone and we need to be in a place where we can get out of our comfort zone. But whatever God tells you to do, even the smallest of the smallest things, we need to listen, we need to obey, and we need to do it immediately. Church, some of us need to have some plow-burning faith in this place today. Some of us need to find our purpose and our God-given destiny, and we need to burn the plows of the things that's holding us back. God wants us free. He wants us walking out our purpose. But as long as we're plowing all this stuff behind a bunch of oxen rears, stinking up the place, we're not gonna be able to be obedient to God. Let me tell you a story about one of my heroes. This young man, when he was 12 years old, his mother left him on the side of a street corner and she never came back. 12 year old on the side of the street. So a neighbor decided to pay for him to go to church camp in St. Petersburg, Florida. It was at this camp that was provided for him and a scholarship from a neighbor that he felt the love of Jesus for the first time. It was after that he got saved and turned his life around and began to serve God. And God made it clear that his next step was to go to Bible school. God told him to go to Bible school. He didn't know how it was gonna happen. He didn't have, but he stepped out and God provided. 
It was there in Bible school. It seemed insignificant. It seemed like such a small thing, but God told him that you need to just start a ministry with one bus and start busing in children so that they can hear the gospel message. That was so successful that one of the great pastors of America, Pastor Tommy Barnett, saw the heart for this ministry and he had a heart to see a bus ministry of his church in Iowa. So he brought this man on and that's where it began to grow. But he knew that that wasn't his call to be in Iowa. It was his call to go to the most difficult state in the United States and in the most difficult city in New York City and begin a children's busing, children's church, sidewalk Sunday school ministry that eventually grew to over 20,000 children each week being bussed in to hear the gospel message. That ministry radically changed the entire dynamic of children's ministry in New York City. And this man, his name is Bill Wilson. If you Google Bill Wilson, you see a book that he wrote called Whose Child Is This? He's an amazing man that started with something small. One act of obedience led to the next act of obedience and it began to have a world-changing effect on New York City. So church, in closing, let me ask you this. If there's something that's holding you back from God, look at it and burn that plow. Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe it's a secret sin. Nobody knows, but you know what it is and you know it's holding you back. It's time to burn that plow. Maybe it's doubt in your life. And God's saying it's time to raise the faith bar up. And you burn that plow of doubt in Jesus' name. Maybe it's a relationship that's holding you back from God. It's time to burn that plow. It's time to get moving where God wants you to go. It's time to listen, obey, and follow plan A for your life. It's time to burn some plows here at Countryside in Jesus' name. So remember, church, you don't have to fully understand to obey immediately. Those God, the God uses the ones who holds on to the least. That God's placed a destiny in your life and he's looking for an act of faith and obedience. And when we act in faith and obedience and we obey and we step out, then God takes care of the details around us. Maybe we think, if I just have the right person, trust God with the right person. Trust God with the right door to walk through. Trust God that as you begin to walk out, something that he's put in your heart that's just for you, that's your destiny, and you know it's your purpose, but you walk in fear and not in faith. It's time to say, I've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I'm gonna burn a plow, and I'm gonna step out in faith and do what God's called me to do, and be who God's called me to be. So church, let faith rise up in your hearts this morning, countryside. Let's believe God that there's so much more in store for us as we begin to walk in faith and obedience and trust and commitment because what's ahead for you, each one of you, is nothing short of greatness. It may appear small. One bus turned into 20,000 kids. One blanket sewed for Haiti turned into a 12,000 blanket sewn for Haiti in our group. One sponsored child for Compassion now has turned into over 500 sponsored children. One visit to Nicaragua 
changed an entire community as we came together and rebuilt an entire area to build a church in the Phoenix Center. One step of faith and look what God can do in us and through us. And I don't know about you, I wanna be a part of it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, we wanna have world-changing faith. We wanna walk out our purpose. We wanna walk out our destiny. And we wanna listen to you and walk in obedience. So today, I pray, Father, those that have let dreams die in their heart, let those dreams rise up even in the most small and insignificant areas of our life, Lord, let us step out even in the smallest of ways to follow you fully. You see our hearts. You place these desires inside of us. So we trust you with it in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. We're gonna dismiss in a second, but before we do, maybe the most important thing that you need to do today is to give your life to Jesus Christ and burn the plow of the world. See, the world's always gonna disappoint, but Jesus Christ, he loves you. He's got a plan for you. He gave his life for you on the cross, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now, praying for us, praying for you. But you see, that relationship that Jesus offered is salvation. And it's up to us to say yes to God Forgive us of our sins so that we can walk free, forgiven, saved, and set free in Jesus' name. But it's up to you to say yes to God. If you're here today, just say, Pastor Glenn, pray for me. I want that. I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to love him, and I want to grow in him. And it simply takes a simple step by saying yes to Jesus. If that's you, when I count to three, we just raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I believe that this moment will change your life forever. One, two, three. That's you. Raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Amen. 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 Thank you. Raise it up high so I can see. Thank you. God bless you. Can we all pray for the sake of all those that raised their hand today? Let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, just repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are a good God who's got good plans for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord, my Savior, my God, and truly my best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a great praise offering today? Church, I love you so much. God is up to something great inside of you. Amen. God bless you, Countryside. Thank you, Pastor Glenn. That was amazing, and that was really for somebody here today, I believe. Would you stand with me now to receive your blessing today? And as the altar prayer team comes to the front, after I bless you and we're dismissed, I want to encourage you, if you'd like prayer for any reason, come see one of these altar prayer team members. And also, if you raised your hand just now and prayed that prayer for the first time, come ask one of these team members. We have a book for you for free called A Fresh Start with God. We really believe that it will bless you. But to receive your blessing now, if you just open your heart, maybe turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. 
May the Lord bless you this day with the courage to obey his voice. May he bless you with the humility to stay faithful in the small things. May he bless you with the wisdom to seek to make his name known rather than yours. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We love you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday.